On now? Okay, thank you. Maybe that's why I wasn't working last week. I turned it off. <laughs> or two weeks ago. Um, I, I've often thought about this. The winds, the winds that hit us. The winds of sadness. The winds of failure, frustration, sickness, fear, rejection. Sometimes they hit all of a sudden. Um, I've got a granddaughter that's developmentally challenged. And whenever there's a storm coming, she wants to come to us and cuddle. She wants that strength that grandpa and grandma or mom and dad bring to her life. And I believe in my heart that's where we need to be many, many times when we're talking about struggles. Coming to the Heavenly Father and just asking Him to put His arms around us. We know He's there. And there are times in life where we just need to come come closer to Him and just ask Him to do that work in our hearts and our lives. Because let's be honest. When the winds hit, we need to focus. We can focus on what's hitting us and get discouraged. We can be focused on politics and get discouraged and get feeling sorry for where we are in this world, but we don't need to do that. Andrew Scheer, who has just elected the Conservative leader of Canada, went, and I don't know all the details of it, but through the campaign he lost his mom. I can't, I can't imagine how tough that must have been for him. And losing my parents and losing my older brother. It, it, there's, there's winds there that just kind of sometimes take over. But what's my focus? I, I want us to think this morning about focusing on who God is. Some of the attributes of God, if we can, if we can settle there for a few moments. And then understand under the shadow of his wings. Under the shadow of his wings. That he cares for every need, every circumstance of every person. Somebody wrote this. If God, if there were only one person on the earth, God would have sent his son to die for that one person. I like that. He cares enough about your situation and my situation that that the Savior came to die on a cross to save us from our sin and, and then allow God's Spirit to work in our hearts and our lives. Would you turn with me to, to, um, let's turn to Psalm 17 to start with and then I just want to refer back to the book of Job for a minute. Stick your finger in John 17 and, and this is, this is just the first point so I hope I can be careful about my timing here this morning. When problems hit, it demands our focus. The more we focus on it, the more we're carried away by the anxiety, the worry, the loneliness, the sadness. But there is a place of refuge from the fierce winds of life under the shadow of God's wings. Picture yourself now as you struggle in life and you have that picture of the eagle as he has that that babe on its on its back and then lets it go and then swoops down to make sure it's okay, make sure it's carrying on the way it should. I want to look at that when I think of Jesus walking on the sea and he says, peace, be still in Mark chapter 4. 
He's the one I want to rely on. He's the one I, I want to take strength in every day of my life as I work through issues of life. As the wind blows, God's wing, God's wings, my refuge. Keep your fixed finger fixed here in Psalm 17. And turn with me for a moment, if you would, please, to, uh, to Job chapter 1. I don't know how many of you have spent time in the book of Job. I spent a lot of time in this book because uh, part of my ministry as I was in counseling was to deal with people and going through grief. And I thought, what better place to spend my time in looking at Job and how he handled the grief he went through. And as you as you look through the first chapter, look at verse 13. It says here, a servant came to him and said, your, your, um, your sheep are gone in verse 16. Verse 17, the, the, um, the camels are gone. And in verse 18, your sons and daughters have been, there was a great storm and, and, and uh, the, the roof of the building fell in and all your children are gone. One after another, one just finished speaking, another came, another came, another came. And I thought to myself, how could anybody ever survive that? And I love Job's response. He rose up, tore his robe, shaved his head. In verse 20, he fell to the ground and worshipped. And said, naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. God gave, and God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God wrongly with wrong. And it goes on. And, and Job, his friends came and said, you know, obviously he must have sinned. There's something here because God's judging you. And, and in, in the end, in the end, God said, listen, Job, I'm in control, not you. And you know, the first part of that story where Satan came and said, look at your servant, Job, you've got this protection and, and God says to him, you can do anything but take his life in the next chapter. And then he's, 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 he's struck with sores from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine. I, I know, I know just in sickness, uh, a number of years ago I had shingles. It was the most painful experience I ever went through and I, I walked through the book of Job and said, Lord, help me to keep my eyes focused. I remember saying to my wife at one point, laying in bed and feeling these pains in my head because I had shingles up in my neck area. And I, every five seconds, I was timing it. Every five seconds, there was that pain. Nothing could break it. And I said to, to my wife, you know, I can't live like this. I just want to die. I, I pray that nothing I said would be dishonoring to God, but you know something at that point I didn't know what else I could do. I cried to God and and he heard me in that cry over it didn't happen immediately over a number of days then finally there was relief finally there was a sense of peace sense of lack of pain in, in my in my life. In Psalm chapter 17 I want to read a few verses here starting at verse 5. My steps have held fast to your path. My feet have not slipped. 
I call upon you and you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, to those who seek refuge from adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence and the deadly enemy who surround me. I wanted to look at four statements about under the shadow of his wing from the Psalms. First one's here. And I, and I see this as the keeping power of God in our lives. If, if you read the first part, just let's, let's just look back at the first part of this Psalm. It says, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let my eyes behold the right. I have tried my heart and you visited me by night. You've tested me and you found nothing. I have purposed in my, with my, that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of men and the word of your lips, I've avoided the ways of the violent. I think Paul is establishing his, his credibility or his, his, uh, the idea that he's done what he needs to do before God. And, and I believe it's an honest cry of integrity. He said, Lord, I, I, I've done my part here and I just, want you to hear, the word hear really refers to answer me when he, when he talks in verse 7 and 8. And you look further in this passage and you'll see that the enemy was surrounding him. The enemy was just wanting to bring him down to destruction. And that's what Satan always wants to do with whatever you face this week. Satan is trying to say, look, your God isn't trustworthy. You have to trust in yourself. You have to trust in men. You, you don't have God he does, he's not there for you. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of the keeping power of God in every part of our lives as we wait upon Him and allow Him to do His, His work in our hearts and our lives. David had already experienced this. David knew what God could do and he knew what God would do as he cried before Him. But if we don't cry before God, He doesn't he doesn't know our need. He knows in, our, in his heart, but he, he wants us to mouth those needs to him. And he knew he had an opportunity to cry out to a just God and that he would keep him as the apple or the pupil of his eye. The daughter of the eye. I, I love that reference in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we'll look at this in just a few moments again. But Deuteronomy chapter 2, it says, he, he, he encircled him and cared for him and kept him as the apple of his eye. Like the eagle that stirs up its nest and flutters over its young. And we'll carry on with that just in a few moments. See, David was crying for deliverance, crying from, for God's justice to be performed in, in, in his life. There's three things here to think about. He first of all says, hear me. And then he says in verse five, 
hold me, or he holds fast to God. And I would suggest God holding fast in his life. And finally, it says in verse 8, hide me, keep me, as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked. I remember meeting a gentleman at a, at a pastor's conference another year, number of years ago, and I knew he had gone through a pastor friend of mine, an older pastor friend of mine. I can't say that too much older because I'm getting that way now. But in, in, in the midst of all that he was going through, I said, how are you keeping? And he turned to me and says, I'm not. I'm being kept. And just just the thought, you know, I, I'm not, but God is keeping me. God knows exactly what I need. God knows exactly how to minister to my life in the in the most difficult times of my life. He didn't say all those things, but I heard it in his voice. As I as I as I sensed the stress that he was going through. The enemy is trying to kill us, trying to destroy us, trying to destroy that faith we have. He fixed his eyes intently on the Savior as Satan fixes his eyes on us to bring us down, to overwhelm us, to destroy us. In the midst of those fiery struggles, he says, hide me under the shadow of your wings. Likewise, we as children need to become closer to God, especially when those trials hit. We're not... Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 not to keep us from the trials, but keep us from the evil one. He said, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want you to keep them within the world. John chapter 17, verse 15, 16, somewhere around there. Keep keep us. Keep us. Because he knows exactly what's going on and what will go on in our lives. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So when those most difficult times come, can you just can you just stop for a moment? And say, I don't need to focus on the trial. I don't need to focus on what's going on around me right now, but I need to look up. I need to focus on what God desires to do in and through my life in in a very substantial way, in a very real way. How do I do that? I just need to kneel in prayer and say, Lord, I can't do this. You know, the greatest the greatest prayer I've ever made, I think I've, I've ever spoken is, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've told you a little bit of my, my story about going to Bible school, I think. And uh, I didn't go to Bible school to be a preacher. That was the last thing. I'd seen too much heartache. <laughs> I saw my pastor go through a lot. And I said, no, not, that's not for me. I want to work with youth. I want to work with youth. I think that's where God has gifted me. Through that time, God called me to a little church in southern Saskatchewan that had split. I was going to Briarcrest Bible College. And the professor came to me, and maybe I've told you the story already, but the professor came to me and said, you know, there's a little church out there that, you know, they need somebody to lead them for a couple of months through the summer. They've gone through a difficult time. It's been split. I laughed and said, not me. <laughs> Are you kidding? Come on and said that to my wife, and she didn't even remember this. And I said, you know what? Paul Magnus wanted me to do, and she said, what? I said, lead a church, and she said, what did you do? I said, I laughed. She said, so you're going to laugh at God. She didn't remember saying that, but I heard it. And God led me to that little church for two months that led, ended up being two years. 
seeing growth, seeing potential. 17 people, when I left two years later, doubled. Not not substantial growth when we think about it, but one gentleman that came to the Lord went to Youth for Christ and worked in Calgary at a Youth for Christ for a number of years. And I just thank God for that difficult time we went through, even that little church, just understanding God's keeping power. Would you turn to chapter 36 with me, please? Another statement that I would like to look at just briefly. Again, we can't expound all these things because there's so much here, but did you notice another statement there? Steadfast love. Steadfast love. Let me go back to 17 just for a second. When does she show your steadfast love? In chapter 36, we read, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness like the mountains of God, your judgments are like the great deep. Men and beasts you save, O O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Not only keeping power, but also think of trusting. If you see, uh, David clearly demonstrates God's faithfulness, not only in this, this past statement, this is attributed to the, the choir master, but to David's choir master. And, and as we see that, he seems to say to me in the darkness, because if we read the first few verses, there's a, there's a bit of darkness there, but in the darkness, in the darkness, I see God brightly. I see the bright light of what God can do. And there's several statements here. He says, first of all, your faithfulness. Secondly, your righteousness. Thirdly, your judgment. And finally, your steadfast love. See, it's not about the trial I'm going through. God knows all about that. It's not about me being satisfied in who I am. That becomes self-serving. I said to my wife recently, I guess even this morning, she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm a little nervous. I'm always a little nervous. Because I want to rightly divide the word of truth. And I want to make, I want to honor God. I don't want to look good for me. I want to say, what does God's word say to my heart and my life? And as I, as I understand that, that's a very positive quality to have that sense of awe of God. I don't ever want to be confident in who I am. I want to be confident in who He is. And in turn, He gives me that confidence in what He will do in and through my heart and my life. He says, your steadfast love, O God, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. I mean, that's how great His faithfulness is to us. His righteousness is like the mountain of God. The judgments are like the great deep. Men and beasts you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You know what Job said in Job chapter 13? Though he slay me, 
of trust. Remember my congregation, 26 years old, took that as a theme verse. And one morning I got a call from my local police dispatcher that I knew personally and said, I need to make you aware that this young gentleman had just been killed on the highway coming home from seeing his girlfriend. And again, I might have shared that with you before, but it was very meaningful for me. But his theme verse was, though he slay me, yet I will trust. Sometimes things come into our life that we can't explain. Sometimes we have that sense of, well, what's worth, why, what's life worth living? Yet, yet, that's the time I need again to bow and trust and wait upon God and allow God's Spirit to work through my heart and my life. I, I love preaching through books, preaching to, through um, lives of people. And one man that I love preaching through is the, the, the story of Elijah. And Elijah went through all that victory on Mount Carmel, all that that thunder from God, that fire, I should say, from God from heaven, it consumed the altar. He, he trusted God to, to pray to God and say, Lord, now it's time for the rain. He said it wouldn't rain for these years. He, he mocked those who didn't trust God that were worshiping idols. He poured more water on him, more water on him, more water on him. And finally he said, okay, God, it's time for you to work. Show your miraculous power. Show them that you are God. And God sent fire from heaven that consumed even the water that was there. What trust. <laughs> you know what happens in the next chapter, don't you? Jezebel come along and said, you know, you've destroyed the prophets, you're next. Then he went and had a pity party, poor me, sat on a juniper tree. The angel came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, well, I'm the only one left. I mean, what else am I going to do? I'd rather die. Isn't that ironic that Jezebel was ready to do that for him? Now he's saying, God, I just want to die. Didn't make sense. Depression? Maybe. Probably. I don't know what to do now. Rather than crying out to God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? He went on his own and he went for with the food that God gave him and the drink. He went for a number of days and came back and still had the sense sense of who am I? I'm I'm the only one left. He wasn't. There were many others hiding in caves. But God said, get back to where I called you. Get back to where you were and I'll show you. My great power. When we think of God's righteousness, it says in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Much more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey, the, uh, the drippings of the honeycomb. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful thought that is for me. You know, we are weak. We are frail. We are, we are sinful men. 
and women, we need to just cry out to God in the midst of our fear. My trust needs to be in God's power and God's wisdom. The wonderful attributes of God. And I guess the most important one for me is his patience for me. His patience. Putting faith is that, that fleeing to re- that refuge. Putting faith, really trusting in all that God has for me. It, it talks about flying to that place of refuge. Something like the refuge cities in the Old Testament. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that I can come before God at any moment. I don't have to have um, anything but my, <laughs> not even my bended knee, but my bended knee before God and say, Lord, you show me what what the next step is, what the next um, result is or opportunity for me. Turn to 57, Psalm 57, verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge, again that trust, in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I've watched a few times, I've never been in a hurricane or tornado, I've been in some pretty fierce winds at times, but I've never been in a hurricane or tornado and and I and I understand it's like that that train you hear that roar and then all of a sudden boom it hits and sometimes that's the way it is with us we think things are going along very very well and all of a sudden boom there it hits not only that protection and uh, that that uh, sense of God's direction in my life but also that protection He gives it says in Psalm. 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word, a source of, of, of trust is confidence in the mercy seat. The word trust means to take that refuge that I already mentioned. God will protect David as that hen protects its chicks. Yesterday, my wife was watching she often washes dishes. I said, there's a dishwasher there. Why don't you use it? She said, but I like to watch the birds in the backyard. And she called me to the, to the kitchen sink and she said, look at this. Look at, look at out here. Here's, here's the mother robin and two little ones on the grass in the backyard. And the mother robin was, head was going like this. Then father was sitting over here. We can always tell that you can always tell the difference because a little bit because of the color. Now father Robin sitting over here, and he was kind of surveying the whole situation too. And I watched that for a few minutes. It was kind of neat to see how there was certainly watching over their young. And all of a sudden, the father was gone. Mom was there. Where did father go? And here he is up in the eaves trough of my garage, getting a better view watching over those little ones. Isn't that kind of where God is? Not in the eavesdrop. <laughs> Not in the eavesdrop. He sees a better picture. And so sometimes when we're going through that struggle, we think we're all alone, but he's watching over. He's caring for every, every thought that we have. 
He'll keep us in the hour of tribulation. You remember the the uh, Revelation story of the Philadelphia church, and it 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 says very clearly, "I'll keep you in that time of tribulation to the church of Philadelphia." Likewise, God looks after us. Again, as I mentioned, He doesn't say remove them from the world, but keep them from the evil one. And as we as we explore that, it becomes a very Deep subject as well of God's protection over us. Protection over our thoughts. The opposition to that we face every day, the seasons of temptation, even the seasons of persecution. Can we stand and stand strong in that, those areas of our lives, those times of our lives? There's an air of confidence. Confidence. I told you I wanted to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And I just want to read these words to you just to encourage you. Like the eagle stirs up its nest and flutters over her young and spreads out its wings, catching them and bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guides him. No foreign gods was with him. He made him ride in the high places of the land and eat of the produce of the produce of the field and so forth. You know, if if I can get a just a grasp of that, if I can just get a little hint of what God desires to do in my heart, my life. It says in Philippians chapter one, verse six, he who had begun a good work will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not finished with you yet. Maybe that trial is a a test for you, just waiting upon God and saying, Lord, just show, I, I need to see your hand and your direction in this. Count it all joy when you fall into various temptations for the trial of your faith worketh what? Patience. Somebody said to me, I've been praying for patience and everything's falling apart. And I said, praise the Lord. They said, what? Praise the Lord. You've been praying for patience. God is working patience in you. He works patience in me. He allows me to go through trials that uh, I don't expect. When changes and trials come our way, God's right hand will hold us through all those issues and times of life. The final one I want to look at is found in chapter 63. Chapter 63. Notice how he starts off this chapter. And again, it's it's hard to do this topically because it's sometimes you leave out so much. But look at verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Psalm 63. My soul faints for you. As in the dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Then he says this, and, and he goes on. But okay, look at verse three. Because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. Your name, in your name, I will lift up my hands. You know, sometimes we just need to raise our hands and praise the Lord. Not to judge anyone for doing or not doing, but just sometimes we just need to say, Lord, 
My focus is here. Not here. Here. I, I want to just praise you. I just want to worship you. My last point is really rejoicing. Really rejoicing. Just thanking God for what who he is. And, and I think that's the emphasis here. He said, your steadfast love is better than life. My, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I'll lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with my lips. When I remember you upon my bed, I'll meditate on you in the watch of the night. For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. In the midst of whatever I face in life, there's a time, I hope, my experience has been just to thank God, just to praise Him. I don't know why that's this particular situation hit me in life. But Lord, help me keep my eyes fixed. I mean, I, it's there. It says that you'll never leave me for, nor forsake thee. It, it also says that in the midst of the trials, there's nothing I cannot bear. Nothing I cannot bear. Even though sometimes I don't think I can do it. Like illness. That's my focus needs to come back to who God is and what God desires to do in my heart and my life. See, the relationship established. He says, oh, Lord, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. The relationship is established. Now, the fellowship needs to be cultivated. I don't necessarily rejoice in the struggle. Yet it says that I'm supposed to be thankful for even the struggle because that works patience in me. But I'm more thankful that God is with me through whatever that struggle may be in life. And some of you are honest enough to say, yeah, I've been through a tough week. In my counseling ministry, I've run into a lot of people who've been through some tough times. And to the Christian, I say, what's your focus? What's your focus? Is it on God? Is it on what God can do? The more I meditate on, how do I put this so it doesn't sound self-serving? The more I meditate on where I am in life, it's not just about the things, but the things that God has allowed in my life. I mean, the possessions God has allowed, it's all His. Everything I have is His. And if I, if I focus on the possessions, I'm going to I really am going to fail. If I focus on, and, and I think I may have said this before, but I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how God has provided for us in retirement. I, we've never had pension as, as such. But along the way, God has provided for us. And we, I better say this carefully because I know it can happen, but we are very comfortable. Because of God's provision, not because of something we've done, because God has led us to do certain things. And I give God the praise and honor for all those things because of God's 
hand and God's direction in all that he's done in our hearts and our lives. We can, folks, truly rejoice. If you think you can't rejoice, look at Manchester. Look at some of the other areas of the world, Syria, and stop and look at the freedoms we have and stop and look at all that we have in this country. And I'm not suggesting we're that may not happen here, but I want to say to you, I'm thankful for the country that God has given me. I'm thankful that I can pray for the leaderships in our country, whether that be municipal, uh, provincial or federal. And I'm praising God that he is in control of all things. And God's people said, Amen. Because that's really where the rubber hits the road in my mind. But when we can't rejoice, we need to. Rather than look, if we can't rejoice, we're probably looking at the wrong things. But when we see this, when we see that rejoicing, he says, he says, for, for you, I have, you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I'll, reju- I'll sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Remember my friend that says I'm being kept? I really believe that. As a sense of the mixture of joy and sorrow in my life, even in the midst of sorrow in my life, I can rejoice that God is in control. I can rejoice that my older brother who passed away a couple of years ago was in the presence of God today, knowing that he was a, he was a child of the king. And, and it's, it's really here because it's reasonable. It's very reasonable because of God's hand. It's also very personal. He says, you are my help. For you are my help. I don't re- rely on the world's standards, the world's comfort. I rely on your comfort. God is my help. He says that earlier as well in, an, in other passages of Scripture. You're my help. And finally, that rejoicing is real. Joy. Joy in the midst of whatever I face in life that causes me to think about myself, think about what's going on in my heart rather than what God desires. So it's his keeping power under the shadow of his wings. It's trusting in him. It's it's his protection and finally that rejoicing that God desires in our hearts and our lives. As I was preparing this, I was thinking about many, many things in life. And as I get older, I, I meditate on all God's hand and even in the, in the difficult times in life. And I'm so thankful, and I've said this to you before, but I'm so thankful to have a godly wife. Uh, later in June, we'll celebrate 49 years of marriage, and I'm thankful for that. God is, God is good. And there's, there's, there's nothing more for me than having God as my Savior and my family. And then allowing Him to use those, those gifts and abilities that we have to minister to other people. And what a joy. What a joy to think about what He does for us. I, I want you to think about that this week. You, you may, you will probably go through some trials. You may go through some ridicules at work because of your faith. They're not laughing at you. It's God. And we need to stand faithful to God even when we feel those sense of, that sense of trial and struggle. But just be faithful. Just be like Job. Just be like Daniel as he 
prayed, even though he knew that meant certain death for him. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Stand for what you believe. Stand up for what you believe. Share it from the mountaintops if that's God's desire for you. And allow him to work in your heart and your life. And as, as, as he does that, you can testify, my God is good. Father, thank you. We can focus on who you are this morning. We can focus on what you desire for our hearts and our lives. And as we consider what you will do even this week, what you've done already, but what you'll even do this week, Father, give us that sense of your peace and your direction. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.